and welcome to Wavemaker Talks, a podcast discussing a range of positively provoking topics to get us all thinking about how we can unlock, maximize and transform both personally and professionally. We're kicking off this podcast by celebrating Black History Month with our Black and Proud series hosted by me, Fella. And me, Lovelyn. Over the next four episodes, we'll be looking at how Black history is taught in schools, navigating 2020 as a Black person, and reflecting upon a range of experiences and identities in advertising and media. In our first episode, we are joined by Andrea Davies, Client Operations Director for Wavemaker Global, Paterno Odong, Activations Partner for Wavemaker Global, and Peter Anthony, Social Media and Influencer Lead at Huawei, as they open up about their knowledge, or lack thereof, of Black history. We question why Black history is so badly taught and the importance of filling the gaps for ourselves. So grab your tea, super malt, or spice punch, and let's get into it. So just to start us off and not to dwell too tough on this topic, because it's not really what we want the podcast to focus on, but slavery, a topic that I don't think will ever stop being as uh, sensitive for a lot of black people. And in most cases, you know, you do see most images of slavery being coming from our U.S. counterparts. However, something that I did read recently in an article by uh, David Olusoga is that the reason America gets most of the stick when it comes to slavery is that it's because most of the slavery happened on U.S. soil and, you know, their country was built on the back of slaves, whilst British slavery sort of took place 3,000 miles away in the Caribbean. And that geographical distance made it possible for slavery to be largely airbrushed out of the British history. And that's following the Slavery Abolition Act of 1833. Now, many of us today have a more vivid image of American slavery. It's definitely something that, you know, is still quite sensitive, but... Mm. Lovely. And how, how do you feel when you hear the term slavery or? I think the issue with slavery is that as a term, as a word, even, it doesn't go down deep in enough as to what actually happened. So when you hear slavery, it kind of lumps everything together, obviously, as that time, that period in history. Um, but you don't really it doesn't sit with you like the atrocities and just how bad they were. It doesn't sit with you that people were stripped of their names and stripped of their religions, that people were sexually assaulted and that they were raped. It's like slavery, slavery just seems like you were made to work for free and you were beat. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really deal psychologically like how bad that was and um, how that passed on through generations. So I don't, I mean, I don't, I can't think of another word for slavery, but I th- think it's quite in that same way that I was talking about and distancing yourself because it's 3,000 miles away the word itself is also quite easy to distance yourself from because it isn't isn't really encapsulated like all that pain and all that hurt that people went through when we were speaking about it earlier it was you know you asked me does it still hit does it hit the same way as it would for another person and I honestly said no because you know I wasn't I wasn't there. I wasn't the person going through it and whatnot. And it's it's almost been patted down. I don't know. Like, am I am I alone in this? Like, who else? Like, how, how do you feel when you hear the term slavery? No, do you know what? I think that's a uniquely black problem, <laughs> which is where we ignore the plight of other black people. 
in the most sort of recent version of things, you, you have African people looking on, you know, the, the experience of Caribbean people in the UK, and you go, ah, yeah, but it's, it wasn't really our history. It's not us. Much in the same way you sort of look at slavery, you see films like Twelve Years a Slave, and go, ah, yeah, but that's not really my people. And I mean, I, I mean look, some of it's fair enough. If, if you look at the size of Africa as a continent, or even the size of each country, like the multiple like cultures, languages, you know, we are so different from each other. So it, it becomes even more difficult to connect with an experience that might not necessarily be taught to you as yours, mainly because the you know, the descendants of that experience have gone away and actually said, okay, how do we hold on to this? How do we take this forward? How do we learn from this experience? What was really interesting, actually, is, is when you look at Britain's part in the in the slave trade. The Royal African Company was one of the largest exporters of slaves from West Africa into the Americas. So that that was in the hands of the British. Like, we don't really talk about that. What we do though is talk about the experience of once they ha- what happened once they got to the Americas. What happens once once they got ended up on the plantations? Not the fact that actually for a long time Britain was heavily involved. By the way, by a company that was founded by one of the kings. I think it's like James II who founded the Royal African Company. But yeah, that, that organization was responsible for going away and trading these people and picking them up. And yeah. It, there's a hand within the whole problem and the whole history that we, we like to sort of go, okay, well, you know, it, it was them. No, Britain was involved. We, we just, we, we haven't looked up to it. We haven't said, okay, we can deal with it. Andrea, what, what about you? So I was born and raised in Zimbabwe. So I have a bit of a different view on things because for me, slavery is it's more recent than what you think it was because of colonialism, a form of slavery in, in its own right, I think. And it's so recent it's still really recent. And when you go to Zimbabwe, Loveland's also from Zimbabwe, so she's smiling. Um, when you go to Zimbabwe, this it's still really a, a real imperialism form. As you guys were saying, it's horrible because you think of, it seems so far removed, but then when you actually think about what happened, it's, it's horrendous to think about it. Yeah, I think that's the thing. We don't really ever sit and think about it. I mean, I guess there's good reasons not to because it's very traumatic. But like, when was the last time, even when you're learning about it in school, it's like, you know, it's bad, but I don't know if you can quite quantify how bad it was. You don't really sit and think about people's liberties like that. Well, I feel I feel like we need to though sit down and actually think about it and sort of bring it to mind and get honest about what happened. Because I, mean, I was just sort of like skimming through some of the work, some of, some of the stuff online, some of the articles before this. And I think it was like a massive percentage of people thought that the British Empire was a good thing. Mm. Um, yeah. Which, you know, yeah. yeah, it, it did. It did. Like the British Empire, like, let's... If you look at it honestly, there, there was a lot of things that it did do, and some of it brought a lot of progress. Uh, much like any other empire, it does bring progress when you run this sort of authoritarian rule and say, okay, you have to do things in this way. It pushes things through. What, what you kind of ignore is actually you know, the, the bloodshed and actually the massacres, the atrocities that happened off the back of it across the world. I, I sort of think sort of like the Mau Mau, so the Mau Mau uprising in Kenya. Like that, that that was really famous. People still remember it it's because people still are around today. Like, I mean, when I was there, like when I was at school, you know, there were people who actually did talk about their experiences, who did actually want to try and set the record straight. And these are people who were put in concentration camps. That, that's what they were. Like the, the, you know, the British mass gathered, like people from the Kikuyu tribe, stuck them in concentration camps, raped women, killed loads of men, you know, just to try and you know, crush an uprising. But you, know, it, it, you sort of wonder if people got comfortable talking about these things and recognizing it happened, would people be more willing to go, okay, actually, yeah, you, you aren't different. You know, maybe the identity of British would be, okay, it, British means not just British born here or British grown up here. 
British also means you know the history that built Britain. Britain mm. also means you know the empire that built Britain. You know the the billions, you know, made with trillions or whatever it was that was shipped into the country to to actually help build this. You know to, to help build what was you know rural Britannia, so to speak. I'm actually going to put P for pressure onto Pete. You've got two sons; they're quite young. How do we educate? people on slavery what is wrong with the education system when it comes to slavery why don't we know more about black history and do you know what more than slavery because black history does not is not limited to black history is not limited to slavery even um a very poignant actually because my stand-up point that i kind of made a note of was um the first one was education and i think for me my you know i guess connecting both questions in regards to how do i feel about it <laughs> controversially I'd pro- i could probably say that nine times out of 10, I probably feel less of a way than I should. And I think that's um, due to a lack of education. Um, and it's only, I guess, recently for myself in the last, I don't know, four or five years in terms of doing the education myself and going back and reading Wikipedia pages and white papers and studies and all of that kind of jazz that you, you do to try and figure out what the truth is, right? Um, and to understand what actually happened and reading books that my dad recommended to me 15 years ago, but I'm only reading now books like uh, Things Fall Apart, um, which is an excellent book. And I think it starts with education in school, right? You know, I'm sure we've all had education about uh, Oliver Cromwell. We've all had uh, education about the Great Plague, the Great Fire of London, all of these things that you do projects on at school, in primary school, even secondary school, but Mm. never um, do we touch on um, the, the, I guess, the dark side of the British Empire or you know, what made um, Britain great in the first yeah. How did they get to the point of defining Great Britain? So for me, it's, it's about the British being proud of their history from all aspects and being able to own that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and shying away from the hypocrisy. Of, as we say, you know, we talk about whitewashing or whatever it is. For me, it's not a case of, you know, boo-hoo, poor you, look at what you've come from. To me, the, the more important issue is that being ignored and whitewashed leaves space for um, black contributions to British society to be also airbrushed out, right? So when we talk about, you know, you know, Windrush generation, we talk about nurses coming over from different countries. We talk about um, soldiers coming over from, from Africa, from India, from uh, the, the West Indies to fight on Britain's behalf for Britain's freedom, um, the same freedoms that they weren't afforded when they then were told, yeah, you can come over. And for me, that's the more... I guess present issue is if we relate it to present day and we're talking about racism, we're talking about, you know, all of these issues and, you know, it's a hot topic now, but effectively all we want is for it to be a non-issue. We want everyone to have the same opportunities and for everyone to, you know, our children, our sons, our daughters to have the same opportunities um, and for there to be equality and equity. Right. And I think until the country as a whole is educated on the contributions of not just people that have come over, but the contributions of the colonizers that went over to our motherlands who had no interest or business with Britain. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk about the, the great structure and you know, processes they put in place, but they, they won't necessarily talk about the raw materials that they took and you know, exported back to their countries to make sure that you know, they were monetarily reimbursed as such. And for me, when we talk about hypocrisy, we're looking at things like, you know, what happens in Arab countries or what happens in even pointing to things like Russia and all these other countries. But the British were the first, and you know, Americans to go to countries, destabilize governments and pillage them for their, their resources. So 
these countries that, you know, we all frown upon when we watch the 10 o'clock news, they're only following the template that was laid by the, you know, by the British. So that to me is the, the present issue. And I think once the country understands their role in, you know, all of these things, then maybe they will look at quote unquote immigrants slightly differently. You know, Black History Month it is a month where we celebrate the great things that black people have done in this country. We as Britons, we are sitting here and I will not lie, we are not historians in any facet. I dropped history so hard in year 10. I was not doing it anymore. But why is that, though, fella? Fam, really and truly, because the lack of, there was no interest in learning about the history that they were teaching me. If I'm mm. being brutally honest, mm. like me as a black man, I'm not seeing, you know, any sort of, I'm not seeing anything that's really interesting me to want to carry on learning about history. I know that none of us are historians here, but like how much black history do you actually know do British not call sense. me out. He's looking I'm directly at me. <laughs> I don't out. know any. Right, I'm <laughs> at you. I literally only know Notting Hill Carnival and even that like, I don't know well and Mary Seacole. Like I don't know Black British history. Literally. Um, it's sad. It's sad. That's the blue end all. It's sad. It is sad. And they'll, you know, everybody has the, you know, the typical, uh, we know about Notting Hill Carnival. We know about Windrush. But, you know, aside from that, Pat and Peter, you guys are, you know, sort of well-versed. But, you know, the rest of us? And when it comes to, you know, why why aren't schools teaching these things to us? Like, mm. I'm just opening, opening it up to the floor. Like, why, why, why is it that mm. they're not teaching us these things? And what can we do to change that, I guess? Yeah, I wouldn't go so far as to say well-versed. Um, I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. I'm yeah. curious. That, that, that's, sure. a, that, that's the sum of things. I'm curious mm-hmm. enough. Um, but, you know, there comes a point where you sort of go, why, why am why? I here? How, yeah. how did I get here? Like, um, my, my family are originally from Sudan and it has, it has a really interesting past in that it, it's a country that's been at war forever just mm. always been at war <laughs> like um much so in the like sort of last 25 years like 30 years it, it, it's you know, the series of civil wars that kicked off because of empire because of a hangover of empire borders were drawn a bunch of people were stuck together um some typically black some typically um more you know egyptian or arab and th- those groups of people those two communities they they warred and then that sort of left me going why did this happen and that's why you know that's where the curiosity comes from i think everyone though has some level of curiosity it's just you just need to find the stories that are easy enough to read what i'm more curious about is why why isn't there enough easy narratives to digest like you know mm-hmm. recently you find out the stories about um this guy was ignatius sancho first black man to vote because he owned property like 1700s like so this is going way before the wind rush um, you know, there were black people in King, King Henry's court. You, you can sort of find this information if you dig around for it, but the records are kind of sketchy. Yeah, mm. they're not one hundred percent there. I, I guess. My, so my question is, who who's tying who's tying it together? Who's making sure that stories are easy enough for people to digest? Because the vast majority of people are going to be like you, where they don't have this deeper interest. Um, I know I don't have that deeper interest in history. I, I flunked out terribly. <laughs> But, you know, I, I'm interested in stories, you know what I mean? A few yeah. stories stick. 
you know, I, I know loads of stories around World War II because the story stuck in history. I know loads of stories around the Reformation because the story stuck in history. You know, who's telling our stories? Maybe that's, that's, that's a whole other thing, but yeah. And the, the, the funny thing is, is that <laughs> typically our stories are only, I guess, films, right? And I guess yeah. historically the issue was that those films weren't being told by the right people. And so they were, yeah. they were skewed. And so you, you take the film as truth. Um, and then over time, there's a film called Bell, I think uh, by Amarasanti. And it's about a uh, mixed race, well-to-do woman. So it's, it's the first, I guess, woman of color within the royal family. But, you know, that Downton Abbey circle as such, which makes me sound mm-hmm. too ignorant. Um, but effectively, for me, the curiosity comes when I watch something. Uh, there's another BBC film uh, called Small Island. Um, it's got Ashadi. It's also got um, uh, Naomi Harris in it. And it's about um, people who came over from Jamaica, Windrush in that time and have this high and mighty view of what it is to live in Britain. So much so that they're, you know, they're living by the standard, the British empire, they salute the flag in their native countries. And when they come over, they're like, what is this? So it's films like that and programs and series that I've watched over time or books that I've read, Malibu Blackman, so on and so forth, that, that hit on a topic or an issue or a time or a story, as Pat said. And I've literally just gone back and, starting on wikipedia and it's that whole thing of i'm gonna wait for the series to finish and then i'm gonna because i don't want to get any spoilers from wikipedia as such and then i end up researching something whether it's you know the soldier that film also touches on the fact that soldiers came over after they fought the war promised you know almost a hero's welcome and they didn't receive that yeah wouldn't say well versed but it's more an accumulation of the knowledge of stories and the backgrounds behind them and there's still a wealth more to, 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 to dig into and to, to understand. My curiosity, I think, comes from when you have children and your children start asking all these questions and, you know, you, you don't have answers for them. So I feel like you have to educate yourself in order to change the tide and start educating your children differently, I think, because it's not taught in the schools. And if it is taught in the schools, you know, they put on roots or, you know, Basically, mm. <laughs> yeah, that's their history, you know, put yeah. on roots and then and then have a tick box. So oh, I think, that. Oh, yeah, <laughs> sorry, that film was it's really deep. Horrible. I was it's, in year eight when I watched that, 13. You're making me watch I was, that. I was in year seven or something, and they put on the Amistad, and that was literally it was me and maybe three other black people in the... And everyone's like, the, looking at you, and you're like, you me out. Like, <laughs> and it's like, you're looking at me for what exactly? <laughs> I am learning the same thing you're learning at the same Jimmy. time. This is, it was the graphic imagery. If you've never watched it, go and watch the Amistad or Roots. Like, it's definitely an eye-opener. Even in the facet of educating kids and... Where, where does, or, you know, it's, it's a case that we ourselves have to go and look for this information. It's not just readily available for us. And I feel like, you know, as much as we ourselves, there are people that have like people, we ourselves have that curiosity. And I definitely feel like more people have that curiosity now, you know, with the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement and stuff like that. But there's definitely still people, Black people that don't have that 
that interest. And the only way that they would have that interest is if, you know, it is taught in schools. This is a bit of a segue, but we were even talking earlier about um, not having black history teachers in our schools. How would you guys actually feel if for the whole of the year you had this white teacher or wherever they come from, and then for Black History Month, they just brought in a black lecturer? At that age, when you're in school, I don't know if I would really deep it, to be honest. But I reckon if I told my mum or something, she'd be like, are you joking me? <laughs> but I think when you're that age, you don't really understand like what's offensive and what's not. I had a PE teacher once tell me, um, it was like cross country and my, my, my secondary school had an Olympic size running track. Um, and he was like, to me and the other black girls, the only other black girls in class is about four, four, six of us maybe. He said, yeah, you guys need to run off all that fried chicken that you eat. And I was like, Oh, what? Did wow. that when I was a kid. But later on, I recently was like, oh, that's racist, racist. That's racist, racist. Yeah, that's racist, racist. That's racist, racist. <laughs> so as a kid, I don't think I would, I would actually be able to quantify like what that means that you've just brought in this, this, this random black person to teach me. Random black person. Black person <laughs> to teach me black history. But yeah, as an adult, I, I, that's insane. It should be it should be in the curriculum. Like, you know, yeah. for my GCSEs in Zimbabwe, I learned about American black history. So I can tell you everything about Martin Luther King, about Malcolm X. I can tell you all about, about that, but I don't know anything about Zimbabwean history where I was mm. born and raised and or British history, the country that colonized Zimbabwe. And it's it's crazy. You know, but I think it leads I think it leads back to the point that might be a little bit controversial. I think Britain in some points are a little bit in denial about their part in history, their part in colonialism, their part in slavery, and even like their part in systematic racism today. You know, how many friends of mine, white friends came up to me and were like, well, you know, I don't understand why people in, in the UK writing for something that happened in America. So I think it, it's all kind okay. of leads back to that denial or, I don't know, can you call it like, Britain, Britainness. That's not a word. Like, you know what I, mean? <laughs> I like that. We'll, co- we'll coin that term for this podcast. <laughs> it's ignorance is bliss. It's the idea of like, you don't know what you don't know. You don't need to know what you don't know. So you don't know. Like, you're just like, that's detached from me. I don't care. That's got nothing to do with me. Can I be slightly controversial in regards to the teacher element? I think yeah. for me, progress is getting it taught. I guess sometimes, you know, uh, people white people, people of different races can be uncomfortable talking about other people's cultures and experiences. And also there's that fear factor with either parents coming in saying you've taught this wrong or taught that wrong. Sometimes it's done out of place of, okay, how do we best tell these stories? Or there's always the empathetic kind of viewpoint, right? And it's always make sure we understand. For me, it's in that scenario, there'll be specific. Some schools would do it and it's it's a microaggression. Other schools would do it and it's from a place of genuine. We just want to make sure we get this right. But for me, the most important thing in terms of progress is that somebody's talking about that history in any way, shape or form whether they, they they specially nominate someone to come on down um, or, or what have you. But um, yeah, pro- progress is progress first. And I think let's see that and then we can then we can get picky about who's, who's doing it. I definitely agree. I definitely agree. My thing is just when, you know, you've done it out of... Because I mean, I... 
not saying that this happened to me, not saying that this, uh, this hypothetical situation has happened to me or any one of us, but you know, I went to a school where I'm not going to disclose the name cause that's, I don't think they're even running anymore, but I went to a school where, you know, they were doing, they would, they would do things that would be, you know, box ticking exercises. You've almost gotten a maths teacher that doesn't know history, but because he's a black man, you're going to get him okay. to teach history. Mm. That to me. That is completely different then. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you context. Know and the same research that, so say for instance, the white history teacher isn't related to, you know, King George the first, right? Mm. They're not cousins. It's not his uncle or his granddad. So the same way that he ha- he's had to educate himself on that, um, he should be taking the same responsibility to educate himself on anything. That, but it obviously starts with what's in the syllabus, right? Versus, mm. And the other side, again, to um, the empathetic view is that maybe that school, it's not on the syllabus and they were trying to take some sort of initiative. And again, mm. I'm trying to defend both sides of the argument. Yeah, is, I hear that. Go and, and maybe, you know, in trying to show some initiative, they've asked the only person that they feel might have that background to, to lead something. So there, there is an element of kudos that needs to be given, but then also they, they still erred in their, in their, in their first steps towards progress, I, I suppose. So it's, it's making sure that we applaud these efforts and it's constructive feedback as opposed to ridicule. One of the things, um, sometimes why I'm a bit, I pick and choose which, you know, movements, um, that pertains to equality that I support and I get involved in because yes, there's anger, yes, there's frustration, but there's also a requirement for us to be constructive. And yeah. I think there are forums for people to part their emotions and their frustrations of previous experience uh, experiences, whether it's lived or whether it's, you know, it's passed on and it's communicated. But then I think sometimes what happens is that when we're in the forum, to have conversations about constructive progress, we haven't defined what that is. And we just, we get to that forum, that meeting, that where it's in a work setting. So say for instance, if we've been given an opportunity to sit down with, you know, CEO of the organization and the, the sponsor for uh, diversity, and we're just like, we need more black people in here. We need more this. Okay. Have we done the due diligence to step back and to constructively look, well, I've noticed that, you know, people at this level, this happens at this level, this happens maybe mm. there needs to be a program that, that, that avoids this. And to me, it's how do we move past the complaints? And because the complaints provide context and I think that's necessary because a lot of people are coming saying, I don't understand. And I mm. think it's giving one or two examples so they do understand, not venting. It's, it's like in your relationship, right? How do, we, how do we resolve it as opposed to, you did this last week and then you did this two weeks ago and then you also did, how do we get to... <laughs> How do we get to resolution so that we can grow, right? And I think that's what we need to make sure we focus on when we, you know, we have these, these podcasts and these forums and we, we educate them so that we're educating them on the past, but we're educating them on why the past is relevant to progress. Off the back of that, actually, the final question for, for this episode, how do you think your education or lack thereof of black history, black British history, however you want to frame it, whatever that means to you, has had an impact on who you are today, if, if, if it's had any, or maybe it needs to be better so it can have more of an impact. I like that. Thank you. Mm, you go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's a very, that's a very good question. Like I, 
over this lockdown period came across a movie called The 13th. And The 13th is all about uh, American history and essentially the formation of the American the American system, the systematic race, race, racism in that country and how it has, you know, translated into this, the situation, the current state of affairs that they find themselves in today. And I mean, if you guys go and if you have the time to go and watch that, it sort of speaks to that question of, you know, our history really having a part to play in where we find ourselves today. So you know, Black Lives Matter, police brutality, white fragility, these are all topics that are very current and very fresh, like fresh pain is associated to all of these things. So um, I don't know, what do you guys think about it? Like, Peter, even you speaking about, um, you know, schools not wanting to put a, a white person to, you know, teach black people's history. That sort of speaks to the white fragility that you that you can come across. So I think it's just, again, with my personness, I think a lot of some sometimes um, people are a little bit afraid to get things wrong. So instead of, you know, putting them, themselves out there and making themselves sort of vulnerable, they'd rather not say anything. So I think, you know, I think that's a main point, really. That people just need to be willing to, like, ask the question, get things wrong, and then we move forward. Yeah, massively agree with um, Andrew's point. Honestly, I feel like there's a gap. There's, a, there's this conscious feeling that something is missing um, the, the fact that we ignore, you know, what built Britain like, for so long, it, it's a bit weird. Um, but it, you know, it is, it is what it is. I, I can only hope that with time that we, we start to change it. You know, my, my real concern is that we end up rotating out, so to speak. I mean, as, as I was sort of like looking through all these stories and over time and you look at these people, um, what Peter, Peter said about the film Bell, actually, that's the one that sort of made me really think like there's this like story about um Dido Elizabeth Bell who's you know this woman who lives this amazing life ends up in this like Earl's house you know, has a wonderful family and all, all these great things happen to her. Yeah she lives in a society which is fundamentally a bit racist. But you know eventually she gets to this point where no one knows her story and you go, why does no one know why does no one know the story? And, you know, and that, that's because for her like much like a any other like prestigious people who've come in and done amazing things. You know, they do these great things. They have children, they have descendants and they, they actually just get weathered away. You know, they go through hardships. They go through like this life experience where actually it pays off to get along. And then, then I sort of reflect back on sort of my experience growing up where actually my parents were quite well educated and they did tell me quite a lot about you know, black people, how we got here, what empire meant even though I wasn't learning it at school, but at the same time, they were prepared to sort of say, but you need to fit in. You, you need to, you know, you need to get along. You need to get things done. And that, that sort of leaves me in a space where it's like, actually, you know, maybe I don't want to rough fellas, but I don't want to make waves. And, you know, people did that for generations, which is why these stories got lost, which is why this people's history got lost. I, I think I, I'm just sort of left with this sort of worry that things will disappear. That, you know, it, we will just rotate out. We'll move on. This generation will go forward and, and no one will talk about this. 
That's it for episode one. Leaving it on a bit of a cliffhanger, so make sure you come back for episode two. Yeah, we'll be continuing this discussion to see if the way black history is portrayed has had an impact on how we see ourselves now and generally how it feels to live through 2020 as a black person. A huge thank you to our guests for taking the time to join us and a huge thank you to you guys for listening. Make sure you join us next week and don't forget to share this podcast on all of your socials, people. Much love, peace and blessings.